Good morning, and we'll be staying right there on that song this morning. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. We know from the Bible and New Testament, we are to sing to the Lord. And we are to use psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And with these spiritual songs, we are to teach and admonish one another, Colossians 3, 16, Ephesians 5, verse 19. One of those songs that really lifts us up is Love Lifted Me. You can't have spiritual songs unless you have spiritual songwriters. And we're thankful that many of these songs have been brought down to us. But I also would love to encourage those who would have any sort of slight interest or have uh, any inkling of ability that we need more songwriters. We need more spiritual songs. So many of these songs date way back, as this one does. Love Lifted Me. Love Lifted Me was written by a man by the name of James Rowe. James Rowe, and he came from Wales, England, over to this country in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and he worked on the railroad most of his life in the area of New York City. But in his heart, and his hobby and practice became more and more, he loved to write songs. He loved to write religious songs. He wrote other songs that we, have, that we sing often such as um, God Holds the Future in His Hand, uh, I Walk with the King, uh, Sweet is the Song, Won't It Be Wonderful There? And he wrote this song, uh, Love Lifted Me. I want to lift out some of the phrases of this song and focus on these for our benefit together uh, this morning. The first phrase is, love so mighty and so true. Number one, love so mighty and so true. It makes us, it forces us to think deeply about the love of God. Ephesians chapter 3, 17 and 19 talks about how that God's love passes knowledge Height and the depth of love mentioned there, but it also mentions that love passes knowledge. That is, the love of God is beyond, of course, our ability to create it. And also really beyond our ability to fully comprehend it. Love passes knowledge. Psalm 90 and verse 2 says concerning God that, from everlasting, from everlasting, thou art God. But we also can couple that together with what we know about God from 1 John 4, 7 and 8. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And simply read, God is love. Putting those two thoughts together, we see that as long as God is, which is from everlasting to everlasting, so is his love. There's no end to his love. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3 
God speaking to His people in those days. He said, I have loved you with an eternal love. I have loved you with an eternal love. This reminds us of what is said about Jesus in John 13 verse 1. It says he loved his own and he loved them all the way down to the end. He loved them to the end. If you were to be able to collect all the very best dictionaries from all the very best libraries in the world, you still would not find a word or a group of words that would fitly describe the love of God. It just can't hardly be done. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus Christ, now being our high priest, is able to save us to the uttermost. And there's a great contrast there in Hebrews 7 between the old priesthood of Aaron and how that men who served in that role would, of course, die, and then they would, the end, there would be an end to their ministry, and then another one would come along, and then after a space of time, that one would die. But in contrast to that, we now have a high priest who will never die. His ministry will never come to an end. Therefore, he can save people to the uttermost. Here's one thing we know. We will never outlive the love of God. Love so mighty and so true. Two men were exploring and they came upon the ocean for the first time. One said, look at all that water. The other one said, and we're only seeing the top of it. That's the love of God. Yes, we are introduced to the love of God. We, we know it somewhat. We appreciate it. We try to live it out in our lives, but it is past knowledge. It is beyond our ability to really express. Several generations ago, there were men who were on an expedition to to the North Pole. In those days in a ship, you wanted to keep up, of course, with how deep the water was below you. In those days, they, they used ropes, and at the end of the rope was a weight. And they would measure all these ropes they would use. And when the weight would hit the bottom, they'd be able to tell by knowing how long the rope is, just how deep the water is under them, they got to a certain point and there was no bottom. And they threw out another rope and there was no bottom. Then they tied some ropes together with the weights to see if that would help and still no bottom. And so the captain recorded in his little book Simply the phrase, deeper than that. Deeper than that. We think about this, we think it is impossible to measure the love of God. The love of God is like this. We of course recall John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And the word 
soul there is telling us that you cannot measure. You can measure a lot of other things, but you'll never be able to measure. You'll never be able to put boundaries around the love of God. He so loved the world. And the captain put in his book, deeper than that, deeper than that. Think about all the relationships that you experience and that you know of. God's love is going to surpass each one of those. How much does a mother love her children? Whatever that is, God's love is greater than that. How much does a husband love his wife? Whatever that is, God's love surpasses that. How much does grandma and grandpa love their little grandchildren? Well, God's love surpasses that. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. In every relationship, every friendship you might have, God's love goes further. So first, the phrase, love so mighty and so true. The second phrase I want us to think about, I was sinking deep in sin. That's the second phrase I want us to think about. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. That's the nature of sin. Sin wants us to sink. We recall, and we're almost sure that Mr. Rowe here, who wrote the song Love Live to Me, he, he has in mind the occasion when Jesus walked on water and Peter went out there with him and walked on water to a certain point. And Peter began to sink and he was only seconds from drowning. That's the nature of sin. It overwhelms us. It wants to have dominion over us. Romans 6 verse 12 and 13 speaks in these ways, in these terms that The encouragement there is, let not sin reign in your mortal body. Let not sin have dominion over you. That's what sin wants to do. It wants to reign over us, control us, have dominion over us. We talked a couple weeks ago how that sin will teach us more than we want to know. Sin will take us further than we want to go. Sin will keep us longer than we want to stay. Sin will make us pay more than what we want to pay. Sin has that nature about it, doesn't it? Jesus said, and he warns in John 8 and 34, that we can become a slave to sin. James says sin can lead us to death. James 1, 13, let no man say when he's been tempted... That he's been tempted of God, for God tempts no man to do evil. But every man is tempted, he says, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished with you, brings forth death. As Paul says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Sin wants to take us in and keep us there. That's why Jesus taught like this in Matthew 18, 7 through 9, when he said, if your, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand or left hand or feet offends you, 
or causes you to stumble, cut those off. Of course, he's not talking about a literal situation here, but he's talking about doing whatever it takes to come out of sin because it's so easy to get into sin and so hard to get out. I was sinking deep in sin. We play with sin, and then sin plays with us. The Japanese have a saying, first, man takes a drink. Second, drink takes man. Everybody understands the nature of wrongdoing. Speaking of alcohol, if you go back to Proverbs 23, it's really amazing. Proverbs 23, 23 through 35, mentions all the woes of drinking, redness of eyes, perverse things coming out of your mouth, harm done to your body, not knowing where that harm comes from, not having a memory of what you do the night or the times before. All these woes about alcohol. And then verse 35 has the man drinking saying, when can I get my next drink? When will be the next time to drink? Even though he very well knows the torture of what he's doing, he's going to go back to it. That's, that's the nature of sin. And it has that overwhelming aspect to it. We were watching a movie the other day. I strongly encourage you to watch movies that are of interest to you. Don't watch anything rated R, for sure. But if you have to do PG, there's plenty. We are without excuse now. Plenty of filtering systems online to where you can filter the bad stuff out. We were watching the little thing that we'd never seen before called Saving Mr. Banks. And it's about... The, uh, how the Mary Poppins story finally came to um, where Walt Disney got permission to put that on screen, make a, make a film out of it. But it was a long journey. The lady who wrote the book of Mary Poppins had a very rough background behind her. And then her story is about the only thing she had to cling to because her it showed in the movie that her father was an alcoholic. And she had those memories, very bad memories of childhood. And so now she's a grown woman. About the only thing that she can cling to is her story and her book. And so they had to persuade her throughout the movie to, to release the rights to make a movie. But it shows you how treacherous sin can be, not just for one generation, but for generations coming even after us. So first of all, love so mighty and so true. The second phrase, I was sinking deep in sin. In a sense, I want us to think as we move along through this song, I want us to think about how this song kind of creates a story of every man's life. All of us can say at one point or another, maybe even right now, that we have been far from the peaceful shore. That we have been the ones wrapped in sin, sinking even deeper. And the case is that love of God, love can bring us out. Only God's love can do that. 
The third phrase I'd like for us to focus on is that the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. The master of the sea heard my despairing cry. We remember what Peter says as he's sinking. He says, Lord, save me, save me. And Jesus does, this is important, on the walking on the water idea. This is very important. The Lord does hear Peter's cry. He does bring him up out of the water. He has a rebuke for him, of course. He says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But nonetheless, he does hear his cry. It reminds me of Exodus chapter 3 when God is speaking to Moses out of that bush. The Lord said, Exodus 3 and verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. Taskmasters, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the nature of God. He hears our cry. Now, of course, God hears the prayers of His children. But this is something else we're talking about here. God hears the yearning of those sinking in sin. He hears our yearning. He hears us holding out for hope that perhaps He could help us, that He could bring us out of this pit that we're in. He hears us. And we're thankful for this. John seven seventeen says, If any man wills to do his will, then he shall know the teaching. That is, that is God hearing us. If we have a complete desire, an absolute longing to do right and be right before God. We believe totally God hears that longing. He will get the gospel in front of that person. A lady was having a little fellowship in her home. and She had little children. But she come out of the kitchen with a plate full of cookies. As she was headed to her guest. And then suddenly she put the cookies down on the little table. And ran off into the back room. And she came back in a few minutes later and she had her little baby in her arms. And her guest said, we didn't hear anything. How did you know? She said, I'm always listening. I'm always listening for her. That's the way God is. He's always listening. He's always, his ears are always open for anyone who wants to come out of sin. He was listening on the day of Pentecost, wasn't he? But you know what? Those folks on the day of Pentecost were singing a different song about 50 days earlier, weren't they? 50 days earlier, they were singing a different song. We know what they were singing. They were singing, crucify Him, crucify Him. But now, Peter has opened up their hearts through the Word of God. For some reason or another, they know better now. Peter has told them the rest of the story. He's told them the truth about Jesus. And he even tells them, you by wicked hands, you crucified him. God has made him both Lord and Christ. And now they're asking, what shall we do? And of course, 
Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How thankful they were to hear that message. They're thankful also that God heard their cry. He heard their yearning. He heard their despair. And he helped them to come out. The master of the sea heard my despairing cry. The fourth phrase I'd like for us to think about from that song. From the waters he lifted me, now safe am I. Now safe am I. God provides three blessings to us. A rope and a boat and land. Now we may feel that we're far away from that peaceful shore, but we don't have to feel that way. First, God provides a rope because he provides the gospel plan of salvation. We just mentioned that from Acts chapter 2. It's found throughout the New Testament scriptures. The gospel plan of salvation. That's our rope. That's our rope. This gospel plan is for all time. It was for those on the day of Pentecost. It is for us now. However long this earth stands, it will still be the gospel plan. Say this earth continues on. 2075. It will still be the gospel plan in 2075. Not just for all time, but for every person who lives. Every person who takes on takes in breath. These athletes we see on TV, they will not go to heaven unless they submit to this same gospel plan. The politicians that we hear about, they will not be in heaven unless they submit to this plain, simple gospel plan. So God provides us a rope. Yes, sometimes we need that rope again as we, as we journey with Christ. Sometimes we fall off the path. God provides us a rope again. He says, Acts 8.22, if you'll repent and pray, repent and pray. God is faithful, 1 John 1, verse 9. God is faithful and just, forgive us of our sins. God blesses us first with a rope, with a plan to save. But he also, the second blessing he provides is the church. The church is kind of our boat. It's our boat. When we obey his plan, he adds us to the church. Acts 2.41 Those that gladly received his word were baptized. And they were added unto them that day. Added unto them that day about 3,000 souls. He, he gives us the church. Our, our boat of safety. And we're not on the shore yet. The third blessing he gives us is land. Land is heaven. It's that peaceful shore. We're not there yet. We must be in this boat and sometimes the the storms will come on the sea. Sometimes the waves are turbulent. 
It must be this way because we are fighting Satan, fighting sin. But Jesus promises us that there is a land ahead. John 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. The Lord says, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, that's the peaceful shore. That's our land. That where I am, there you may be also. And so I wanted us to focus on that phrase, now safe am I. Love so mighty and so true. I was sinking deep in sin. The master of the sea heard my despairing cry. Now safe am I. How do you feel about about your journey right now with, with the Lord? The fifth phrase I want us to focus on, all to Him I give. All my heart to Him I give. All of us, when we read a passage or read a verse, listen to a presentation of Scripture, we all have a response. It's either going to be negative, not going to do anything about it, or it's going to be positive. In order for a a response to the gospel to be positive, we must have the aim of, when we come back to God, to stay with Him. To stay with Him. And to pledge our entire heart to Him. All to Him I give. All to Him I owe. God is not in favor of this half-hearted attempt that sometimes we make. No man can serve two masters, he says, Matthew 6, 24. Now, I want us to reflect another minute or so on the title of the song, Love Lifted Me. Another songwriter by the name of Charles Wesley, he writes this, Amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? Would you take a moment and just let that go deep into your mind? Amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? Romans 8.32 says, God did not spare His own Son, but freely gave Him up for us all. There are many good angels, but God didn't send one of His angels. There are many angels. God sent His only Son. How can it be? We know God has a lot of angels. What he said to Peter is amazing, Matthew 26, 53. Peter, put up your sword. Don't you know at this time I could call for more than 12 legions of angels right now? 72,000 angels plus. 
We remember back in Hezekiah's reign, 2 Kings 19, that he was receiving some major threats from Assyria and King Sennacherib. God kept telling Hezekiah, I'm going to take care of this matter, trust in him, sent Isaiah to him, trust in the Lord, Hezekiah, trust in the Lord. 2 Kings 19.35, one angel came and destroyed 185,000 Assyrians. One night, one angel, what did he do? 185,000 Assyrians. Peter. Peter. One angel can take 185,000 out. What do you think 72,000 could do? This is not a physical matter. This is about the love of God. I could stop all of this right now. But Christ is saying my driving force is humanity. Because I, we, love them so very much. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. Not that we love God but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 3, O beloved, O what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God and such we are. It is not right to say, well, God ought to be doing more. That is very ungrateful. I have caught myself, and we better catch ourselves. Can you imagine anybody coming to the thought, well, God ought to be doing more? Look at all that He's done. If we really believe in the love of God, all, to, all our heart we would give to Him, and we would share this news. As far and as wide as our energy would allow us. James Rowe. He wrote, won't it be wonderful there? He wrote, I walk with the king. He wrote that redeemed song, sweet as a song. God holds the future in his hand. Another song he wrote, which we ought to appreciate. He wrote this song, You Never Mention Him to Me. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation this morning, please make your wants, your wishes known right now as we stand together, as we sing, Brother James.